When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Batter up. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to Pod of Their Own. This is episode 115 of A Pod of Their Own. I am Allison McCaig, and I am joined this week by my lovely co-hosts, Linda Servich. Hello, Linda. Hey, Allison. And Maggie Wigan. Hello, Maggie. Hi, Allison. So we will start this show on a happy note, (laughs) but it's going to go downhill from there, unfortunately, um, as we record this on Tuesday night, March 1st. Um, But we will start with the good news, which is that the Mets have made not just one, but two historic hires in recent um, both involving women. Uh, Mm -hmm. The first hire was uh, Gretchen Alcone. Alcone? I don't know how to pronounce her last name, unfortunately, but someone will correct me, I'm sure. who is the first female on-field uh, coach in Mets major or minor league history? So that's Woo! very exciting. Yay! Hello, Gretchen. Um, she was out there throwing BP the other day, which is awesome. Oh. Um, yeah, she follows in Love the footsteps of uh, you know uh, the San Diego Padres recently hired an on-field uh, coach who's a female, and you know the Yankees recently hired a manager in the minor leagues who's a woman. So you know, starting to actually get like on-field staff who are women, uh, which is incredible. Mm-hmm. Don't um, the Giants have one too? Oh yes, it was the Giants and not the Padres. That's my fault. Yes, I I picked the wrong California team. It, I I meant the Giants. Um, so yeah, that's really really great. Um, and the Mets also hired um, Elizabeth Ben, 
who was hired as the director for Major League Ops for the Mets, and she is the highest ranking female executive in franchise history. Yay! Woo-hoo. So this is both great and long overdue. Well, because the Mets, like we've said before, have always had a good track record well, before um, before the Wilpons with women. Like they had, um, they had Joan Payson as the first female owner. Then they had Jane Jarvis, who was, you know, the organist. Um, so they've always had women in their, you know, as part of their organization, at least right from the beginning. So, and it's, I mean, it's nice having one that you don't feel icky about because of the conflict of interest, you know, yep. like Jessica Mendoza. Um, and so, they have yeah, a woman now, PA announcer, too. Yeah, they have Marisol Castro. So this is just, yeah. you know, it's it seems fitting that they they have a woman who's kind of you know running stuff and getting stuff done or who will probably get stuff done so it's it's exciting to see yeah and it's worth it's worth noting that elizabeth ben is not the only woman in the mets front office although i'm sure i don't i haven't actually done the breakdown like i haven't looked at the um the overall breakdown i i know it's still very much male dominated um but she's not the only woman in the front office but she is by far the highest ranking one um which is which is really i don't know if you saw cliff floyd's response to the instagram post too he was very supportive of it yeah he said that she's the best right yeah yeah which is really awesome and it's cool to see like you know players and former players being supportive of this um but yeah, it's nice. I mean, I saw someone express a sentiment recently and uh, I don't d- entirely disagree with it that like, you know, the fact that these hires are being made shows that they could have been being made all along. And, mm-hmm. you know, teams like the Mets don't necessarily deserve like a participation trophy for like hiring a woman. But, you know, like, sadly, that's the bar right now. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, Especially like Kimming them. kind of broke the seal- glass ceiling and now we've got more and more women both on field staff and also in front offices and hopefully it'll just we'll get to the point where ha- like we don't have to hand out participation trophies and ribbons to teams who do this it will just be instead commonplace well and the only way to make it commonplace is to add more women like yeah but I also hate that my first thought too because I'm cynical and jaded and was that she was brought in as like, you know, to clean up the man's mess kind of, um, of like the toxic workplace and the culture. So I hate that I had to think that because of the Mets track record recently. Um, but it seems, you know, she's more than qualified. Um, she worked uh, at MLB before um, before she came over to the Mets, um, but her resume that, seems like, perfectly, perfectly suitable suitable for this job. So yeah, like no, know. she's definitely yeah, she's definitely qualified. But I hate that there's like that little voice in the back of my head that's like it's a PR move because of their recent issues, and I hate like I don't want that. I don't want that to be the um to always be out there and it seems like you know that that's what especially with sandy because he never really addressed it so i don't know if this is their way to address that um but still i don't want to take anything away from her because she's clearly earned it and she's qualified and i'm ecstatic that she's here 
Yeah, I mean, until until like we said, this becomes commonplace. Unfortunately, that sort of thing we're always hanging in the back of our minds, right? When it comes to any yeah. of this. Um, but I will say that you know, like, is it on one hand, it like it's like icky that you have to think that way, but on the other hand, mm-hmm. I guess it's better than them not doing it at all. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> even, yeah. If, even if the motivations aren't there, like. Even if the motivations aren't like as clean as we think they might be, like the destination is still the destination, right? Like, do the ends justify the means, I guess, is the question. Like, and I think in this case, yes, if it means that there ends up being more women and this applies to people of color, too, even though that's not the, the conversation that we're having in this particular moment about these particular hires, but it applies to other underrepresented groups as well in baseball, like if if it, if we end up with more diversity in baseball because they were dragged kicking and screaming into it, fine. <laughs> you know, like, fine. Yeah, it'll only make things better in the long run. Yeah. So uh, worth noting, too, that um, even though these hires are not historic, but they're just worth noting because it's, like, basically the only Mets-specific news we can talk about right now. Um, the Mets have also hired four other people um, in their front office, uh, Vice President of Baseball Ops uh, and uh, Jonathan Estrangio, <laughs> Nate Horowitz as Senior Director of Player Personnel, Nick Spar as Director of Baseball Ops, Steve Martone as a Special Assistant. Um, and these are all people from, uh, these are all people connected to Billy Epler from the Angels front office. So they basically are taking like, a bunch of people from the Angels front office um, from Epler's time there. Now, I don't like I don't know enough about these specific people to say whether they were good hires or not. Like, I am not an expert in like, you know, qualifications to be a baseball executive or anything like that. Um, but it seems you know, a little icky that these are all his buddies from exactly. an organization that has issues, number one, right now. And number two, never won anything. Yeah, like. No one's talking about that right now because obviously like there are much bigger issues right now in baseball as a whole, which we will get to. Um, But it does seem like kind of iffy and like even, even the, you know, the Tyler Skaggs stuff aside, which by the way, Eric K was found guilty in that trial. Um, I didn't put that in the show notes, but that did happen. Um, And Matt Harvey is now, you know, facing a suspension, which we talked about. Um, But it's not just that stuff, which I'm like, I'm sure that these guys, like, they were low-level employees. Like, they might have had zero knowledge of what was going on. Um, But that aside, the Angels front office just, like, doesn't have the best reputation in, like, player development and, like, you know, building good teams. Um, Like, so for that reason, I'm kind of raising an eyebrow in addition to, um, you know, the other stuff, just... The reputation they of that They have literal Mike Trout and haven't done anything. <laughs> exactly. But and Otani. They have, like, the two best players. <laughs> most interesting players in the game, but oh well. <laughs> yep. And, and, you know, and, like, I'll use this as a segue to get into the main meat of the show, but, like, what a shame that, you know, no. we might potentially miss another full season or partial season of prime Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, and in Mets case, Jacob DeGrom. Like, that breaks my heart, you know? Like, if, if, 
it's not just a Mets. It's not just like, oh, I want to see Mets baseball. It's like this is so, so detrimental to the sport. What's happening right now? Um, uh, if you have been living under a baseball rock for the past. Lucky you. Know, you. Lucky yeah, you. I'm envious. I'm envious. We are all envious um, for the past couple of days. Um, basically, what has happened is and again, we are recording this on Tuesday evening, March 1st at around 8.30 p.m. Uh, Eastern time. Um, so last night, uh, the owner, the last night was at midnight was supposed to be, you know, the MLB imposed deadline for we need to reach a new CBA agreement by midnight tonight or there will be canceled games. Um, and so they negotiated very late into the night last night and they started during the day, like during the normal work day. So it was like a six, wasn't it like half, 16 hours, 16 yeah. and a half hours, uh, marathon negotiating session. I mean, they took breaks, but like, not really like they basically like, and there was a lot of the coverage of it was hilarious because oh there was God. a lot of like everybody like running across the parking <laughs> yeah. lot. It was literally just tweets from like Evan Drellich being like, and now the owners are going back over to the player side. Now they're separate. Now they're walking back across the hall. Now they're walking back again across the parking lot. We see them walking. That is like the whole thing for 16 and a half hours. Um, And, but, you know, by, by, by the late hours of the night, I know this because I was awake at like roughly midnight um, at at around that time, it appeared that significant progress had been made, you know, uh, like, ML, like, you know, the, the usual suspects were tweeting out like, like people who have been covering this entire labor negotiation, like Evan Drellich were tweeting out like, you know, progress has been made, they're getting closer, deal seems optimistic, and then they extended the deadline. So they wanted to keep talking, which was a good thing. Um, it, 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 it seemed positive. Uh, the deadline was extended to 5 p.m. today, so just a few hours ago. Um, so you kind of thought that, like, maybe by the end of the day today, they'd have something. Now, at least it felt like there was a chance. Yeah, yeah. So you're there, telling me there there's momentum a towards a goal. And like, and our I, listeners may notice that we're using a lot of past tense, <laughs> past tense words. And like, I stayed up late. It was another damn situation, oh, so like the I. stupid Max Scherzer thing. Where oh, like, I'm such an idiot. <laughs> where like, I stayed up late thinking like, because like, you know, I'm a natural night owl anyway. So like, it wasn't. I didn't end up going to bed that much later than I normally would, but a little bit. And so like, I stayed up being like, I stayed up like reading my book, thinking like, okay, like I'm if I stay up, maybe at like one or 2 AM, something will happen. It did not reader <laughs> listener. <laughs> it did not. Um, and so, but you know, I still, when I went to bed was pretty optimistic. Um, but then things changed very quickly during the day today. Um, you know, I think like, at least according to some players who have spoken out about this on Twitter and elsewhere, other social media, it seemed like a lot of those like tweets from the night before about like progress and, you know, coming together um, from Heyman, Drellich, others were, were, you know, league side leagues. Bob oh my god Bob, Bob Nightingale was the first one of the first ones to tweet that like it was close because he he tweeted about the uh the agreement on the playoff structure which we can get to um 
but yeah, everyone was like, is Bob going to be the hero? And of course he was not he in was. the end, sadly. Voice over voice, he was not the hero. <laughs> Some things never change. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Including Bob Nightingale oh, omens of, of be, the opposite of what he's tweeting happening. Um, Bob. <laughs> oh, sad. Uh, but it turned out that a lot of this seemed to be at least uh, MLB or owner leaks, you know, it wasn't coming from the players and the players, you know, from the players point of view, they were saying like, okay, like these were all, all the optimism was MLB. And now like when a deal doesn't get made, we look like the bad guys because it looks like it's our fault that the deal came apart. And this is their tactic. Um, yeah. They pointed, especially the players did to this talk of like how, Oh, now they're the, the player's tone has shifted. Yeah, I think that was something that it seemed like a lot of the players were really upset about was that yeah. phrasing of like that they that the the players were open minded and you know into the negotiations yesterday and then today they were just being stubborn and obstinate and whatever. All right, so this is clearly like it's happened before. Um, Alan Walsh tweeted, who is an agent in um, in hockey in the NHL. Um, he tweeted, creating the perception a deal is close when it's not is a form of intense psychological pressure on the players to break their will. It was straight out of Bettman's playbook in 2005. Bettman, of course, is the NHL commissioner. Um, when he canceled the NHL season and then for a brief moment opened the door to uncanceling it. So clearly it's a negotiating tactic and, you know, it's, it's been done before and, you know, good for the players for not, not giving in too. Yeah. And making it clear that this is what the league was up to by doing this. Yeah. Um, but like, so what happened eventually was, you know, shortly before the new 5 p.m. today deadline, MLB made it made its quote a best and final offer at like 3:30 or 4 p.m. Um, and it was rejected, which by was the an MLB imposed deadline. To be clear, right? Exactly, exactly. Um, and this and this quote best and final offer was rejected by the players. Um, so it wasn't a very good offer. No, it was not. It was no. not. That's why best There's and final offer is in quotes. I mean the the player and you know I think our our loyalties in this are no secret, but like the players have made significant concessions over the last several weeks on almost every front. And, you know, you see them slashing like 30 million, 40 million off of the, the pre-arbitration bonus pool. And then the owners are like, well, what if we just add 5 million? And yeah. it's, yeah. and it's really, you know, and yeah, it's, it's maddening. Yeah, clearly we're negotiating in good faith. That's what I think that's what my my biggest thing was is like they wanted what they wanted and just refused to move from it. Like that's they they wouldn't even negotiate. They were throwing a temper tantrum the entire time. Yeah, like the players moved significantly off like their first offers. And like they it's kind of like what Maggie said, like the players would move like the players would try to meet them halfway. Like they would move 50%, but then the owners would move 5%. And it's and like- And they agreed to explain to playoffs too. Exactly, exactly. So it's just, you know, it's ridiculous. And so the players rejected the final offer because it wasn't even a, a like serious offer. Um, 
And so then Rob Manfred had a press conference at 5 p.m. where he basically like said, you know, because it was it was still like a, a kind of a question at that point whether MLB would make good on its threat to cancel games because like you know like linda said this was an mlb imposed deadline mlb could always just be like there's a new deadline all of a sudden but which they, they- kind of already did last night moving the deadline to today mm-hmm. exactly in case there was any doubt that they are 100 percent in control of the timeline on this there it is right if they if if mlb really wanted to they could have just been like okay you know We've hit a snag, but we're going to keep negotiating. And now the deadline is tomorrow. But no, that Rob Manfred made it pretty clear that games are going to be canceled now. But they didn't say like how many. That is very unclear. But the players like the players left Florida. So like at least for this moment, they are done talking like there are going to be games canceled. Opening day is delayed. It's just unclear for how long um, now. Yeah, it doesn't look it's, it's not like a. This is not an optimistic scenario. It's not well, I at think all. they did the first two series to open the season. Yeah. So for the Mets. At a minimum. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, the Mets were basically all home games too. Yeah. And division opponents. I mean, that's that's most teams play a lot of division opponents in April um, or like late March, April. Um, but, you know, like – According to so Bob Nightingale tweeted again, Bob, a hashtag Bob, uh, Bob had tweeted that MLB and the union had agreed to resume negotiations in New York. Now, I didn't see that from anywhere else. And based on people, I full disclosure, I did not watch Rob Manfred's presser because I refuse to look at his face. I just can't do it. Um, it's a very bad face. But uh, based <laughs> off of what people said who actually watched it, that's not exactly what he said, that they, like, agreed to resume negotiations in New York. It just said that, like, he just said that basically they're, like, they're both, they're going back to New York. Like, and so, like, maybe they will keep talking there. It seems like they probably will. Um, and it's just a question of, like, how long each side sort of takes to, like, go back to their corners and cool down and get back together. Because there's going to be, like... A, a latency period here where they because they're pretty pissed at each other at this point so but i still feel like i'm thinking crazy pills like december 1st rob manfred says this is a defensive lockout yep. to protect games then they don't negotiate for like six weeks then all of a sudden they all of a sudden they decide to negotiate after however many days it was i can't remember i think it was like 40 something days and then now manfred's like well i got no choice but cancel games it's like where were you 40 40 days ago and framing it like the players walked away and framing it like the players walked away from the table when it's like you took six weeks this offer and they rejected it it was a good offer a good good, best and final offer and this was a defensive lockout and it would be devastating for the sport to cancel games. And then there he is laughing that he's got to cancel games. Like, well, got no other choice. What am I supposed to do? Like, well, I feel like I don't I feel like I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Like somebody make it make sense. This is what happens but, when you have a commissioner who doesn't particularly care for the sport that he commissions. No, or who's just... A risk. And he's just completely like this is the same guy who was seen taking golf swings earlier today. This is the same guy who called the World Series trophy a piece of metal. 
And I tweeted this, and, but I'm going to say it again. Like, I'm sorry. The owners just forfeited any right that they have to the World Series trophy. I'm sorry. You're yes. the one who canceled games. You're the ones who, nego- who are negotiating in good faith. Like, the players want to play. Why are we handing you the World Series trophy when times are good? I'm sorry. Yep. You don't get you don't get a piece of the pie and come out smiling and get to celebrate when you literally could care less about the integrity of the game or playing the game. Yep. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Some notes about, you know, what was in that, quote, best and final offer and kind of the remaining issues that need to be worked out between the two sides like where the gaps are so one thing that they did seem to agree upon um before uh talks stalled or you know we're always stalling however you want to frame this one thing that they did seem to agree upon is that the league had wanted for they both parties seemed to want or the league especially wanted expanded playoffs and the and the players seemed open to that the league wanted 14 playoff teams and the players wanted 12 and it seems that the that they have settled on 12 buster only reported that the way that that playoff structure would probably look if that ends up being in the final cba whenever the heck that happens um the two top teams in each league the american league and the national league would get a bye in the first round of the playoffs and then the other eight teams would play a three game series in the first round and that would be seeded by like you know the high the the team who won the other division that wasn't one of the two top teams that got the bye would be like the top seed in that round and they would play the worst team and then it would go by record after that for the wild card teams um which is basically very similar to the nfl playoff structure before the nfl expanded its playoffs um and i think it's actually like a positive change that's like the one thing that i was like yes this is probably good well insurers are even said anything beyond that you're watering down the competition and he's absolutely right so 14 14 is way too many yeah so i think they could have seen it 14 yeah that's half the teams like basically yeah um, and that's what's still somehow miss the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. Um, even like I don't know. Like I was, I was against really expanding the playoffs at all because I thought that you know the current structure was good. But but I can, given the fact that they're going to give the top two teams a buy, I I can accept this twelve team structure the way it, that they're proposing it because I think that it 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 still incentivizes being really good instead of just like incentivizing, like squeaking into the playoffs. 
Um, like teams are going to fight to the end to get one of those top two seeds. Cause like, like being able to, to jump over a whole round of playoffs is like massive and you, and you get extra rest. You get to rest your team up for the, for their first round of the playoffs because everybody else is still playing. Um, I think it's a pretty massive advantage and one that teams will actually chase. Yeah. Like I don't love expanded playoffs in general, but like if, if that was the thing, if that was the sticking point that would get this all turned around, like, that's not a difficult decision to make, but as it yeah. turns out, no, that's not the sticking point. At all. And that's kind of, that was kind of the first sign that I thought things might be fishy with the reports coming out last night because Andy Martino tweeted at like, I don't even remember, like 1130 PM or like, like shortly before midnight tweeted that like, that was the hang up. Like, oh, they've like, they've agreed on the CBT stuff. But the hang-up is 12 teams versus 14. And I was like, there is no way that's true. There's no, no. way that they're nope. tanking the season over, like, a difference in how much to expand the playoffs. I knew that couldn't be true. Now, I didn't necessarily connect the dots and think, like, oh, all these leaks are, are MLB side leaks and we're all getting worked. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't <laughs> go that far. But I was like, I would kind of chalk it up to, like, does Andy Martino actually have, like, leak? sources instead of just met sources i don't think martino knows what he's talking about um, well i could kind of believe it because now with um with betting that's where the money is is in the playoffs so that's why the owners want expanded playoffs because oh yeah that, for sure so i could kind of believe it but at the same time like there's gotta be other issues at stake exactly i mean like oh i totally buy that the league very desperately wants 14 playoff teams and like even and even if 12 ends up being what's in this cba whenever that comes to pass the next time that this gets negotiated they're going to try to get 14 again that's just gonna happen um but then you're also celebrating mediocrity that oh yeah they don't care money in the bank like teams can still like people like a little you know force teams to want to compete no they won't like you can be completely you could be the definition of mediocre and still get in like everybody was you know so amped about the football playoffs this year but nobody remembers how embarrassing the Steelers and Eagles were like the competitive game. It was, I got secondhand embarrassing. Watch me, watch me. Yeah. Then at that point you just have a team who sucks, who gets into the playoffs and gets absolutely curb stomped in the first round. And like, like, is that worth it? I don't even entertaining. but, But that can be even worse though in baseball because you have a team that's absolutely embarrassing and they get like one really good pitching performance and a couple of lucky breaks and now they've moved ahead around and like yep. yeah. that kind of thing happens as is and it would definitely be worse i think it's a lot easier in baseball than a lot of other sports to for like a bad yeah. team to like stumble ass backwards into a world series um cardinals. <laughs> 2006 cardinals <clears throat> you gotta get that looked at um so yeah i mean but like I so I fully believe that the league absolutely wants like more the more teams in the playoffs the better according to the league because that's money but I I just could not believe that that was like the thing there had to have been other things and there were as it turns out other things um so other things uh quick summary so MLB still really wants an international draft 
And that would be a huge concession on the union side because they do not want that. Uh, that's like one big thing. Um, MLB seemed to, at least as of like the last night, more optimism negotiations seem to be willing to drop direct draft, uh, to drop direct draft pick compensation for free agents. So the QO going away, maybe. Um, the both sides seem to have agreed, uh, and this was early on, they agreed that there would be some sort of draft lottery of some kind. I think that that's an agreed upon thing, but they differed very much on like what that would look like. And right now, MLB is currently at the lottery, including five picks. The players want more than five. I forget exactly how many they had proposed in the most recent proposal, but they want more than that. Um Obviously, the big sticking point the whole time that falsely last night seemed to have been resolved, according to the reports that turned out to be like not really true, um, was the CBT. Now, the major breakthrough from the negotiations from last night was that MLB seemed willing to keep the tax rates, the CBT tax rates at status quo from the previous collective bargaining agreement, meaning which is huge because yeah. previously they wanted to massively increase them, massively increase the penalties for going over like, the thresholds, just absolute like turn it like something that's already functioning as a salary cap would have been even more so. Like, yeah. I try to not take it personally. This kind of felt like an attack on Cohen. <laughs> oh, I have said this repeatedly. Oh, absolutely. Like, <laughs> I I mean, like, God I... God he tries to win. I know. I have said this repeatedly. Like, of course, like, our entire, like, fandom, the Yankees and the Dodgers do this every single year, and no one bats an eye, which, like, they should. They should try to win. Good for them. But the second that it's the Mets uh, that finally have the rich owner, it's like, oh, no, no. Got a ring in that Steve Cohen. Um, I mean, the Mets, the Mets beat went as far as to start calling it the Cohen tax. Like they're arguing yeah. about the Cohen tax. Um, and it's like, and it's like, okay, Dick Monfort, if you really didn't want Steve Cohen to go buck wild spending money, then maybe you shouldn't have approved him to own the New York Mets. Sorry. Well, and also, like, they're always like, oh, small market teams, blah, blah, blah. They're still billionaires. Oh, you yeah. You can too. Yeah, don't let don't let Dick Montford and Bob Nutting and all these random other guys like con you into thinking that Steve Cohen is bullying them and they can't actually afford. That's nonsense. That's nonsense. They could afford, they could to afford run it the before same before they started getting trillions in gambling money. Well, and then they were all that's complaining. the other thing that is not yeah. coming up in these in these negotiations, which is that there's this enormous new income pool that MLB owners are swimming in and they want to be absolutely sure that nobody else gets a piece of that big ass pie. I hadn't thought about this, but I'm kind of laughing my ass off now that the Nationals built this like giant MGM like betting. It was the trashiest thing I've ever seen. That's like attached to their stadium (laughs) and now it's just going to sit dormant for a year. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and that's the other thing too is like, I was going to this in the morning news because everybody was making a big deal about Scherzer driving a Porsche to the negotiation. Oh God, I completely forgot about that somehow, even though that was like two days ago. Yeah, so I linked to an article, I forget who wrote it, and I, I wish I could remember, but it was a list of all like the most like disgusting, exorbitant things the owners have spent money on. Oh Lordy. Literally all of them have a private plane. Some of them take a helicopter to spring training. 
Like, it's just, it's at, like, Steve Cohen spent $100,000 to spend the day with Guy Fieri. Like, it's just. <laughs> That's very on brand. Okay, but you know what? That's actually, I, I can, I can get That's a better that. use yeah, of money I'll than a private plane, one. in my opinion. <laughs> I'll yes. give Cohen that one. <laughs> at least Guy Fieri isn't, like, bad for the environment. <laughs> <laughs> that we know of. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the title of this episode? Maybe. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's like, it's just these like, like, can people not like comprehend what a billion dollars looks like? Like, no, they don't. They don't. They no, literally they don't. don't. That's part of the problem. Yeah. Um. So side eyeing AP Sports because AP Sports was the original like tweeter of yes. the like Max Scherzer who showed up in a Porsche and they've been like really like I just did not expect like of all the like national like news sources AP of all places to be the one to like really bootlick like go all in on the bootlicking but they really did like yeah they made a bunch of like really horribly framed tweets like making this seem like this is all on the players and these spoiled players and they tweeted like Max Scherzer showed up in a Porsche it's like oh my god and then and it wasn't even the article it was just the tweet and the headline yeah so it wasn't the like runs their socials it. like is just really anti-player and then like somebody somebody in the aftermath of that tweeted like nobody actually earns a Porsche and it's like what yes what nobody about? actually earns a baseball team either yeah right no most like, of them have inherited it or committed crimes to do it Steve Cohen we're looking at you thank you for Max Scherzer <laughs> go to jail yes <laughs> do not collect two hundred dollars go directly to jail not collect two billion dollars <laughs> yeah I like. <laughs> And I, I don't think that these people who like tweet things like that actually like, again, A, have a concept of what a billion dollars is and B, actually know how much a Porsche is. Like, I'm not saying it's cheap. Like, I can't afford it. He said it was $80,000, which but in it's the like, grand scheme of things, it's not that much. Yeah. It's not like he's it, like, it's not it's not that exorbitant. Like, it's it's really not that big of a deal. And it was a hybrid. He's saving the environment. <laughs> like, I just begging people to chill about the freaking Porsche. Um, but yeah, yeah so. Richard's earned a Porsche. Like, is anybody shocked he drives a Porsche? I mean, honestly. No. Like, it's fine. You want a suspect showed up on a horse and people got mad about that. And that doesn't use any gas. Um, so, <laughs> you know, it, like. Well, there so, is the methane gas is the poop release. True, <laughs> true, true. <laughs> Um, so, you know, the, it was a major breakthrough that MLB was willing to put the, the, the CBT tax rates back at status quo from, instead of like raising them massively, but the, where the, where Although the they still is, want to keep the caps, like they still want to keep that cutoff yeah. ridiculously low. Like they don't want that yep. cutoff to move at all for the next three years. Yep. Yep. So right now MLB wants to keep that cap at 220 million to be like the threshold for where when the CBT would apply. Um, and they went they want to keep that for the next three years, as Maggie said, before raising it to, oh my God, 224 million in four years, and then 230 million in five years. And the players association, and this is them coming down from where they were before. Um, they're currently at they want it at 238 million now. 
And then it would raise like every year by a little bit. So it would be 238, then 244 million, then 250, then 256, then 263. So MLB is like proposing like a step ladder every year, whereas MLB wants to keep it where it is now and keep it like that for three years before raising it a teensy tiny bit. So, and the context for this also, I would just like to point out because Craig Goldstein made this point really well on Twitter earlier, which is that um, with the most recent CBAs, if the CBT had grown at the same pace as the revenues, it would currently be $297 million, yeah. which is also how other leagues do it, is tying it to yeah. revenue. Which um, makes complete sense and how you should do complete it. complete sense. So then you had Manfred saying, oh, you know, it's been really hard for us recently. Well, then open your book. Show us. Show us how hard it's been for you recently. Like, just that just shows like the fact that if you just raise it commensurate with revenues, that would be 297 million shows how eminently reasonable the union's proposal is here. 238 isn't even close. To raising yeah. it that much. Oh, but they, they've had it so hard, Allison. No, you know, there's but, pandemic and everything. But gotta rein in Steve Cohen and the dynasty New York Mets, the most dangerous team in Major League Baseball. Well, that's what gets me. I never thought it would get to this point because, you know, in 2020, they they delayed the season. Well, because they had to, obviously. Um, and, you know... People found other things to do. I learned I could live without baseball. I know, uh, you know, I don't think you guys share that sentiment, but I know others probably out there have. Like, why you would choose now to do this, to delay baseball just two years after there was a half a season where people found other hobbies, found other things to do in like you're, you're just, it's just an absolute spitting in the face of fans. And, you know, like you're, we're playing with fire here. It will cause and, irrevocable harm to the sport. Yeah. Absolutely. And I don't think they, they definitely don't realize it. Like, they, they're, oh, no, they, they're I think they absolutely realize it. I don't think they care. I think that no, is a gamble they are 100% willing to take. I yeah. guess they don't, yeah. I guess because what is it to them? Because as long as they get, the playoffs where they make the money and then there was the other the other news recently was that they're they want to deal with peacock to stream games so there's more money coming in but i mean okay so they you know the we we all agree that the owners so like people who are talking about this whole thing in bad faith talk about and people have been doing it all day today, and I'm side-eyeing all of them, been talking about, like, ticket sales, right? And, like, here's how much revenue a team makes, and, like, look how much Max Scherzer makes. That's, like, half the revenue of the Mets. Ticket sales are not where the owners are making their money on these teams. The owners are making their money on TV deals and TV revenue, right? And so, but, I like, I don't think... I know Maggie said, I I think they know and they just don't care. I, I... I tend to agree, but I do wonder if they understand if the sport tanks in popularity like it might if we lose more than like a couple weeks, if this is like a half a season, a full season that they lose to this, they're going to lose so many fans that I wonder if the Peacock and all these TV deals are going to go away. Like, 
Yeah. They're going to get relegated to like, I mean, Thomas Henderson talked about this with hockey um, back to what Linda was talking about before hockey had a lockout and it, it was massively damaging to that sport for a long time. And it got relegated to like, basically like second class status among American sports and has yet to really, it's, it's better than it was, but it's yet to really fully recover. It's more of a niche sport and I fear baseball will go that way. And it'll be like the games will be on like stars. Like they won't be on Fox and ESPN. There won't be nationally televised games because no one will care about baseball. Well, baseball's already trending in that direction. I have to find the tweet. Um, and that's what I wonder if the owners like really know that that might be what happens here if they like really tank a full season. I don't. I'm not. I don't know if they know that. Do they know and not care, or do they? Because like their TV deals are where they're making their money, and like Peacock isn't gonna want. Like, no streaming service is going to want baseball if no one's watching it. Yeah, they're not going to make money off of it. Why? Yeah, here we go. It's by Jesse Spector. Um, MLB is about to cancel opening day, and ESPN is talking about Carson Wentz, who is a football player. It's already over. This league is dead. Like, ESPN didn't even care that they, like, they, they, had, they were preoccupied with talking about football. Right. Like, <laughs> like that was the very lead story. Like Carson football and Wentz. basketball are the most popular yeah. sports in America by far. And like baseball is already behind those two and it's and it's getting worse by the day. And and it's gonna get so much worse. The longer this yeah. lasts, the worse it's gonna get. And baseball is basically yeah. gonna become a niche interest like like freaking NASCAR or horse racing or something like that. It's gonna become like that level if they don't watch it. Like like, said, and again, like, I think I think the 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 Trump card and all this, not the Trump card, the, the wild card and all this is um, is just the gambling money is they yeah. think that yep. they feel really, really secure in that being a reliable income stream regardless of what else is going on. And I don't know if they're right or wrong because I don't really, it, it hasn't been going on long enough to really know, but I think they are deeply, deeply invested in, in, getting their money that way and it's it's just complicating things it's depressing it's yeah deeply depressing. Well, that's, that's all they care about they the game of baseball has come down to ego and greed and that's literally all it is yeah like like uh, like i don't know if you saw the interview with trevor may but um he asked he was like what's your end game what do you want out of this and he goes we want more competitive baseball we want fairer baseball and he goes that's our end game but what's your end game here other than making more money than god what yeah. is the owner's end game here money that's it yeah like yeah. i yeah i mean so the the other remaining roadblocks to a CBA are minimum salary, which again, that both of these things, both the minimum salary and the pre-arbitration bonus pool, which we alluded to earlier in the show are both examples of like, you know, MLBPA is moving a mile and MLB is moving an inch. So the two sides are still apart on the minimum salary. They're closer than before, but they're still pretty far apart. So MLB 
it wants $700,000 minimum salary increasing to $740,000 over the course of the CBA. MLB, the the players union, wants $725,000 to start. Now, they've moved down from where they were, and the league has moved up from where they were, but not as much as MLBPA has moved down. Um, The way that that's even starker with the pre-arbitration bonus pool, which Maggie alluded to earlier. MLB is proposing a pre-arbitration bonus pool of $30 million, which is up a a staggering $5 million from last night. <laughs> the players want $85 million, which is down from $115 million where they no. were at before. So this is just showing you like how far the players' union is moving to compare to how far the league is moving. Um, and MLBPA is also willing to drop its proposal to expand salary arbitration if, quote, the rest of the numbers work out. So, like, they keep making concessions. They keep making more and more concessions. The league is just like, okay, we'll give you $5 million more. It's like, <laughs> And this is all already concessions for things that didn't even make it this far into the negotiations, which were things like more years of free agency for their players. And like reducing the number of league minimum years or like reducing the number of arbitration years. Um, right. And letting these players hit free agency. Like all like the the pre-R bonus pool was was already like a second best option for the players because you know, more so than in any other sport, um, it's those young and deeply underplayed, underpaid players who are really doing a lot of the heavy lifting. Yeah, most of the production is coming from those pre-arbitration guys. Juan Soto. (laughs) Yeah. Like, think about that. And then everybody, like, Pete Alonso didn't make a million dollars until he won the home run derby. Yep. Yep. And And that's what gets me about, like, this, about this millionaires versus billionaires, like, bullshit that people like to peddle about this. Like, they bring up Max Scherzer and his salary, which, fine, like, but Max Scherzer and the hundred millionaires of baseball are very rare. Like most players are not are not going to make that much in their careers or even sniff that much in their careers. And most players don't even make a million dollars. Right. No. And this is like this is like the the length of a major league career that an average major league career is not that long. And this is money that they have to live on for the rest of their lives, basically. So, and they're not making it in the minors. That's for sure. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Which well, I mean, minor leaguers some... continue to get eminently screwed by all of this, by the way. Yeah, because they don't have know. their own union. Like, are we gonna have like my? Are we gonna have minor league baseball like scab baseball? Like, are they just gonna like make minor leaguers play? I think the minor leaguers are going to play. I think well, they are going to play in the well, minors. I just, mean, I just mean, are they going to make sta- scab teams out of minor leaguers and like not pay them? <laughs> Wasn't Rick Regan a scab? And then yeah, he I think so. Good enough in the Mets cap. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember, but yeah. But I don't know if you saw this tweet from friend of the pod, Sarah Sanchez. Um, she was talking about the bonus pool um, at yeah. eighty-five million. Um, she tweeted to put this in perspective that difference amounts to an extra two million per team. MLB's owners are willing to cancel regular season games over approximately two percent of their profit margin. So that's what we're talking about here. Like, this is yep. nothing to them, it's not, they're just like fighting over it because they can, yeah, and because of their egos. Like, I think one person said that, um. 
there was one owner who said he just he didn't even care about the negotiations. He just wanted to break the union. And they said that's not an overwhelming majority, but at least that sentiment is out there. And it's like it's just their egos. It's all they care it's about just is like, their money and their egos. So evil and petty and shitty. It like is. it just is. Well, I really I I I think there's a lot of credibility to the idea that this is really a union breaking tactic because, you know, this is this is a league of of owners who've been around for a long time and they know that there are going to be more of these. And I think they really want to just put the final, you know, put the final nail in the coffin of the MLB players union and not have to worry about all this next time around. You know, it really does seem yeah. like they are the, their response to the union is disproportionate if they have other goals besides just destroying the union. Yeah. And I think that like, you know, the, it's worth noting that like the MLB players union, and that goes for the players unions for all the major leagues uh, of sports, like are kind of the most public, like these labor negotiations are the most like publicly played out labor negotiations that we see in America. And I think that like these owners are, you know, part of a a wealthy class that see you know the the uptick of unions across the country and they know the power of collective action against the few wealthy people and they know that if workers are successful in collective in in collecting themselves that they will win and they're terrified of that and so they want to crush the most like prominent they should be and they want to crush the most prominent union to crush the spirits of you know workers unionizing across the country because it's a threat to their wealth feels like nothing has changed like m donald grant didn't want tom siever going to the same country club as him like this is how they view their players. Like, you can't associate with me. Like, you're a poor person. God forbid. Like, yeah, and that's ultimately, you know, we talk about the millionaires versus the billionaires. And obviously, like, they're not all millionaires. Obviously, like, being a millionaire and a billionaire is a very different thing in reality. But also, it's it's the labor class versus the ownership class. Yes. That's what it is. It's the people who, who work, who perform a service is maybe not the right word, but who, but, <laughs> but who produce something, who create, they create the game of baseball with their actions. They are the best in the world at it and they get paid to do so versus the ownership class, which they just own. Yep. They don't, they, they don't even run the teams. They hire somebody else to run the teams like passive income. Yeah, it's and and that is a class distinction that while it may not be obvious to fans, it is intensely obvious to the owners who know yes. exactly yeah. what side of the room they stand on and what side of the room Max Scherzer stands on and what side of the room Juan Soto stands on. And they want to keep it that way. Exactly. And I mean, if you want to argue, if you want to look at Max Scherzer, Francisco Lindor and argue to me that hundred millionaires should not exist. I am open to that argument. Absolutely. But tax the hell out of them. Bring it on. <laughs> but we're talking about a sport that generates so much money in revenue and the the percentage of that in, as long as we as a society 
continue to value sports in this way, the players should get paid commensurate with that. And the players have not been paid commensurate with that because their share of the overall revenue that the sport has taken in over the past, you know, couple decades has declined over time. And that's the point that the players are making. Listen, we just want our fair share of the revenue of the sport. <laughs> yeah. Well, like you get, like we, we split the pie 50, 50, but the pie keeps getting bigger and our piece is staying the same while your piece is getting bigger. Exactly. Instead yeah. of both pieces increasing at roughly the same rate. And the, and, the, and the raise on minimum salary isn't even keeping up with inflation. No. <laughs> like, that's, that's what we're saying. Like the, like, the minimum salary hasn't been raised enough to keep up with inflation over time. Like, it would be way more if we were talking about raising it co- commensurate with inflation the same way that, you know, they should be raising the CBT uh, threshold commensurate with the revenue to keep to also keep up with inflation well and that's also to say nothing of the stadium workers the security guards the you know the restaurants who counted on tourism for spring training who were already hit hard in 2020 like and the billionaires could have paid all their workers and many chose not to and now here they are getting screwed once again like, and then they don't care because they got to squeeze every last drop out of the pool. Like, yeah. and they, like, and they say, they say that, them. you know, they say that their revenues were hit really hard, but you know what? Prove it. Yeah. yeah. If you the books the made the argument was? that they claim that it does, then those books would have been open long ago. Yep. ago. Long ago. They would have shown yep. that long ago. We know that they're well, and then also what I thought was telling again today, too, was Manfred had his prior press conference and ESPN and MLB Network made sure to cover that. But then when Tony Clark and the players spoke, mm-hmm. the networks cut away. And it's like it's always like you're you're doing PR for the league. Like we know unequivocally now that MLB Network and MLB.com work for work for the league. Like these aren't impartial networks. Yeah. So, and it wasn't, it, that's like, one of those things too, where I can't say that it was surprising, but it was, I guess it was a little surprising at just how like bald faced it was. Yeah. Like not even, it. like they weren't even pretending. Yeah. No. Yeah. So it's like now you got to like filter through everything and where you're getting, where, like, where you're getting your information from and what's, state propaganda basically what's the mlb propaganda which is basically what all last night was like bob was used as propaganda so was andy martino like yep they we were all used. got worked we all got worked for it yeah we all got worked over by by the league because, because lovely listeners you can rest assured they are not paying us anything no nope, if they no, were i would I, carry their water in a heartbeat i assure you we are not being paid <laughs> by baseball um no. i yeah and i mean like i'm a little bit ashamed of myself for getting worked and allowing myself to be optimistic but i just i wanted to be hopeful because i want yeah. baseball 
like I wanted well, there to be a deal. I, and this has been a stinky winter in general. And like, yeah, we all want to win. Yeah. Like you like, just want that hope. Like, and they kind of, I think they probably use that too, that they know people want this and they used our hope against us. That's another negotiating tool. So that when we're crushed, like we're feeling right now, they can be like, well, blame the players. Yeah. Well, we were, we were optimistic last night. We don't know what happened. The and players changed their, their tone. tone. The players yep, changed, they their, changed tone. their tone. Blame them. Boo them. And I will say the reaction to that. Food. I felt like I had not seen that many players tweeting about anything all winter yeah. long. But and the pushback were, was immediate too. They like, were it was yeah. really, really mad. Good for them. They stayed unified yeah. through this. Yeah, they did. And then the messaging was the same too. So you know, good for them. They they didn't bow to you know these negotiating tactics. Yeah. But really, somebody else pointed out like you really want to go toe to toe with Max Scherzer. <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, I'm like, feeling a little shaky inside just thinking about somebody else going toe to toe with Max Scherzer. <laughs> right, right. And there were reports that he like was making like people uncomfortable, and I'm like, good, make the owner right. uncomfortable. I feel like that makes but me really surprised. proud. That's why they pay him $40 million a year. That that makes me really <laughs> proud that he's on my team, even if I never get to watch him pitch. Watch oh him God, pitch. we are so cursed. Why? I hate it here, truly, folks. <laughs> I cannot. Um, I swear the universe just conspired. And then now it's like, oh, Bobby Bonilla will be the highest paid MLB player. It's like, shut up. Why I are we always the joke? hate it here. Um, anyway, I feel like we, we desperately need walk-off wins this week. So, uh, let's do that. Um, Maggie Wigan, what is your walk-off win for this week? Um, so I kind of, it has also not been my best couple of weeks, but I have come up with two that I'm calling partial wins. We love a partial win. And if you have a miniature, it's one full anything. So they're miniature wins. Um, one is that I got purple streaks dyed into my hair and it looks, it looks so amazing. good. It looks very I, good. It does. I almost cried when I saw it. It was just like one of those, I've been, I've been chasing the right purple integration into my hair for like almost a year now. And this was just, it was perfect. It was just perfect. So I love that. That's my first like mini win. And my other mini win is that I, um, I finished a, or I not finished, it's still going, but I hit a thousand day New York times crossword puzzle streak. Amazing. Which is. That's impressive. Thank you. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't know how I did a thousand daily New York times crossword puzzles in a row, but I did. (laughs) And (laughs) Uh, it just felt really good. And especially given like what the last three years have contained, the fact that I managed to also do all the crossword puzzles, even the Saturdays. Um, yeah, it was just, again, like there's not a lot of wins in my life right now. And that felt like a really good one that I could, that I could be proud of. And now, but now I'm, I was like, oh, okay, well I could take a day off and like, no, I can't, I got it. I don't know what I'm going to get to next 10,000. It's yeah, you gotta there's gonna going. be another one but yeah so purple hair crosser puzzles too many wins oh that's, that's impressive thank you i haven't done a crossword puzzle so you should and Nor I. 
they're good because you can start the, they get harder progressively throughout the week. So you can always start on a Monday and get as much of that Monday done. Look at the, you know, the answers the next day to, and then you build up to eventually you'll get a Saturday and you'll feel like a million bucks when you get a Saturday. Yeah, I bet. I'll teach you them in pencil to like, you know. Even better, do it in the app. I was going to say, do it in the app. Then you can like, you know, erase your. Oh, there you go. Yeah. See, I'm still thinking old school. (laughs) (laughs) We used to, when I was in grad school, um, we used to get the, uh, the, crosswords and they we like they would just like leave them in the break room and people would like progressively fill them out throughout the day I love that which is really fun so like in grad school I used to always do like a few crossword clues a day not an entire crossword but just like (laughs) I would fill I'd be like oh I know that I'll fill it in oh I know that one uh which is about the best I can do like a few (laughs) a few clues (laughs) with my very specific like niche knowledge that is useless in any other context. Um, Man, I saw one the other day that said like they purposely left one ambiguous where so it didn't matter what you filled it in with like both answers were correct. Star Wars and Star Trek, right? Star Wars and Star Trek. It was like and the clue was something like this is the better of two popular sci-fi franchises. Yeah. (laughs) It was really cute. Yeah, that was a fun one. (laughs) <laughs> all right so i didn't just make that up <laughs> no, no you're right you got it okay <laughs> yeah anyway linda Surovich, what is your walk-off win for this week <laughs> like maggie i've had a really bad week <laughs> um and baseball's not helping um but since we last recorded i did go see phantom of the opera on Ooh. broadway that's my and- first favorite broadway shows Yes, it was my first one. And I thought, you know, Phantom would be a good one to be the first, like the most, like one of the most iconic, like Broadway shows. Um, and it, like, like everybody told me, because I'd seen the movie years ago, and everybody was like, oh, you'll have to see it in person. It's like, it's magnificent in person. It's like, just, you, you have to see it and so and they were totally right like they kind of it's cool because they're putting on a show so you're like you're there watching a Broadway play but you're also watching the play within the play and then you become like part of it um like when the phantom speaks like they have his voice like echoing around the theater so you don't know where he is and you're like in his theater basically so it was really cool. And then the chandelier comes down oh, and it's so good. down and it's so dramatic. And like, uh, you know, the lights are always flash when the phantom comes out. And it's like, I'm such like a dork for that kind of like the drama. And like, so it was like, it was perfect. It was like right up my alley. Um, and I love the music and just, um, and you know, like when they're singing Phantom of the Opera and they're going down into like the, the, the cave or wherever he is and all the candles come out like oh it's just it's, it's so dramatic and right on my alley um so so yeah I saw that and then of course I wanted the little the little souvenir cup so then I ended up having too much Prosecco on an empty stomach <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> because I got a Prosecco and the souvenir cup. Um, and then it was the day of like the snow squall. So then everybody's phones started going off in the theater because we all got the <laughs> emergency alert. A snow squall was coming through. Um, but, you know, you know, if you haven't seen it, it really, like, it really is spectacular in person. And um, Phantom got the biggest ovation at the end of the night. And but Christine was very good. They were, they were all, they were all just really good. Um, you can't go wrong with Broadway, really. But it was just, it was kind of sad. Like all the restaurants that were closed around the theater and everything, you can really see, you know, the impact that COVID has had on Broadway in the in the area around it. So that that was kind of sad. But um but you know, they were all like, you know, welcome back to Broadway and you know, we've missed you. And it seemed like, you know, the actors were really thankful that to be back. And um so it was that was I now have a list of all the Broadway shows I want to see. I know Come From Away is on there. I definitely want to see Come From Away oh, because Come From Away is so good. Yeah, so I don't know. Is that still playing? I want to go see it. Is it still on Broadway? I don't know. I don't know, but I, I that's so. definitely on my list. Yeah, and I think you know yeah, Chicago. Um, Angel Pride of Bag looks good because I I like Motown, so I think that would probably be pretty good. And you know the Staples, Lion King, Aladdin, and all that. Um, but yeah. It was fun. It was a nice night out. Um, you know, we had to be masked, although that probably will change in a couple more weeks. Um, but yeah, you had to keep your mask on. You had to be vaxxed to get in. So I felt safe doing it. Um, but yeah, no. Phantom of the Opera was very good, and I was very happy. And it's even in an old theater. Like, oh, it's just, it's so perfect. Like, go see Phantom. <laughs> Broadway is amazing. There's nothing quite like it. Um, yeah. It's going. Um, I need to go back. I haven't been since before the pandemic. Uh, the have you seen show... Phantom? Because I highly yeah. recommend it. <laughs> yeah, I've seen, I mean, I've seen Phantom not on Broadway. I've seen Phantom okay. up, like live before, but not on Broadway. Um, so it's probably a whole new level seeing it on Broadway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I definitely want to go back. The last show, show I saw on Broadway was, um, I saw To Kill a Mockingbird in like January oh. 2020 before everything shut down. <clears throat> I, did, I do just have to say, um, I was very goth in high school and right after graduating my senior year, um, I started dating the bartender at, uh, at Phantom and I got oh to see God. it like, I got to see it like every day. That's amazing. <laughs> that was, I spent a couple months like dating the bartender, watching Phantom. <laughs> he would get me in after the first scene. So I've only seen the first scene once, but I've seen every other part of it like dozens of times. That's that's awesome, Maggie. That's such that a is story. awesome. <laughs> um, so uh, my walk off win for this week is just I had like a couple nice weekends in a row with people I care about, and that was nice. Like uh, two two weekends ago, um, two of my friends from college got married, and we went to their wedding, and it was a beautiful wedding, and I just enjoyed getting to spend time with. Um, with all my friends and celebrating our friends uh, Kelly and Blair so that was lovely um, and then last uh, this past weekend uh, Michael's family came down um, his mom his sister his brother-in-law and we visited his grandmother and we went out to dinner with his aunt and uncle and his cousin um, and it was just really nice weekend uh, getting to hang out with uh, Michael's family so you know it was just a couple nice weekends getting to see people I really love <laughs> 
So that was yeah, great. That was good. That's nice. Um, yeah. So that does it for the show this week. Um, we were going to, if the season went on as expected, you know, uh, resume weekly recording um, since we were, you know, normally be ramping up spring training around this time. Um, but since that is not the case, uh, I guess we'll see. Uh, probably going to keep the every other week uh, for now while, you know, this remains a thing. Um, but, you know, once baseball is back, we'll come back in earnest and we will record every week again. Hopefully this, this hiatus will last, um, not too long, <laughs> but in the meantime, you can go to amazingavenue.com, uh, check out all of our fantastic content. Just, you know, like come hang out with us in the comment section, mourn with us. Like we will continue to post content every day for us to gather as a community, because like, even when there's no baseball, it's still something that unites us and matters to all of us. Um, so you can check that out. Um, and you can, uh, follow Amazing Avenue on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. You can follow the show on Twitter at a pot of their own. You can follow each of us on Twitter. I am at petite PhD. Where are you, Linda? At Linda Servich. And you, Maggie? At Maggie162. You can subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Um, subscribe to Amazing Avenue Audio. Check out our entire suite of awesome pods. You should rate and review the show. It really helps people find it. The original intro and outro music to this podcast is by Bunga. Let's go Mets. And don't forget, there is no crying in the